What's up guys, welcome back to episode 4 of Fighting Words, where we will break down the upcoming ESPN card, uh, Colby Chaos Covington vs. Ruthless Robbie Lawler, at the Prudential Center in New Jersey. I believe that's where it's at at least. Um, man, this, this fight card, it's pretty decent man, with some interesting up and coming fighters chucked into the mix of a couple of veteran matchups. But really, it's um I think it's all banking on the main event to de to deliver, which man, I believe it's a pretty fifty a pretty fifty fifty fight. So we'll uh, we'll skim through the prelim cards and uh, break in a couple of fights. First, just want to quickly start off with the uh, women's flyweight fight in uh, Lauren Murphy versus Mara Romero Barella. Starting off, uh, Lauren Murphy's record is ten and four, last losing to uh, Sajara Eubanks in June of twenty eighteen. So uh, over a year ago since our last contest. Um, which is a pretty long time, man, to take off in a newly forming division. She's um mostly a grappler, clinch fighter with some uh, pretty decent, dirty boxing, but she's pretty much just like a scrapper, you know. Not the most entertaining, high-level fighter. Kind of on the like the lower end of the UFC caliber contest, even though the UFC flyweight women's division is pretty fucking unstacked, really, man. You've got like the top of Shevchenko, and then just the other bottom feeders, pretty much. No offense to those girls. But it seems that way, man. They kind of formed a division around Shevchenko, really. Same way they do with Cyborg and uh, in the featherweight division. Anyway, um, uh, but you know, Mara Romero isn't exactly a standout fighter either. Like she's she's only one for one in a UFC stint, losing a decision to um, Caitlin Chukagian. Fuck, fuck that up. Well, she was kind of like she was kind of outclassed from memory, and then she won a decision in February against uh, Talia Santos, which was actually a pretty impressive as um. Santos was undefeated, I think. So, um, man, I'm pretty disinterested, disinterested in this fight, but I believe, like, Mara Romero can have what it takes to uh, beat Laura Murphy in a decision. I believe Mara Romero was the favorite, too. Next, uh, we're going to move on to uh, Jordan Espinosa versus Matt Schnell in the men's flyweight division. Uh, Jordan is coming in 1-0 in the UFC, with, and uh, he was 2-0 in Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. He, he impressed me quite a bit in his debut against Eric Elston, he outstriked Eric from the outside, and I pointed him with um, various kind of combinations and secured a takedown with some pretty deadly, and he had some pretty deadly um, calf slash leg kicks, like very good kicks actually, which is pretty impressive stuff, man. Like such a diverse array, such a diverse array of attacks in his debut, and he didn't let um, the bright lights overwhelm him at all. He kept it pretty composed, but on the contrary, Matt Schnell is on a three-fight win streak, and I think. Not that it should matter, but he's he's a fucking massive flyweight. I think he's five eight. Just to put it in perspective, I think Cejudo's five three and or was five four. I think Cejudo's five four and DJ was five three, something like that. So he's huge, man. He's like almost the same height as Conor McGregor, who was the lightweight champ. Like a pretty fucking big man. Um, a bit of an interesting fight, man. Uh, it's an established UFC fighter in Schnell versus an up and coming fighter in Jordan Espinosa. I can see Jordan just keeping the fight at pace, you know, striking from the outside, utilizing his calf kicks to neutralize Schnell's attacks. But Schnell is a, is a veteran comparatively to Jordan. I can see Schnell utilizing his grappling, changing the tides of the fight, and like, yeah, utilizing all the beautiful different arts in mixed martial arts. So for a final prediction, I believe Schnell has what it takes to mix up his game plan and will be able to change the pace of the fight to his advantage. But I can also see Espinosa doing enough to win a close decision. I can see this being a split decision, actually. I'm going to have to go with Schnell, man. I just believe um, he'll be able to uh, like utilize his wrestling and whatnot to take uh, Espinosa down and give him his first loss in the UFC. But I think it's going to be a very close fight, man. The next we go to uh, Antonio Shevchenko versus Luisa Podova. Shit, I butchered that one. <laughs> 
Sorry, guys, bear with me on that. Um, but yeah, Shevchenko has a record of seven wins and one loss, taking on uh, Padova. I was going to call her that. And she has a record of eight and four. But, you know, you should never judge a, a fight based on, like, someone's win-loss ratio. Um, everyone was obviously pretty hyped on Antonia due to her sister's dominant success in the UFC in Valentina. But, yeah, man, Antonia kind of fell short in her f- official UFC debut. Although she won the Ultimate Fighter finale in a... But in her first test under the bright lights, she kind of got outworked and dominated by via grappling by an unseemingly tough opponent in uh, Roxanne Modafferi. But in saying that, uh, I think Roxanne has like five times the amount of MMA fights and experience as Antonia does. So it's, it's not a huge setback, really. It's more of just a learning curve. It all depends on how people can like take that loss, adjust their game plan, and come back stronger. But um. To be fair, man, and no offense to Antonia, but she is 34 or 35 years of age. Like She's no spring chicken. She's def- I think she's the older sister. Like She's older than Shevchenko, yeah. Um, so, like, how much t- how much can she really adjust and improve in her game to make her, like, an elite MMA fighter? But if she's even half the warrior slash athlete as Valentina is, then we will see. But now she's versing a younger fighter in uh, Poldova. But she's currently 1-2 and two in a UFC run thus far, losing to decent names in Liz Carmouche, who is versing Shevchenko soon. And uh, uh, Valentina Shevchenko, I should say. And then she lost against Irene Adel- Aldana, Aldana, who fought recently. And she's also like a new up-and-coming prospect, so no big shame in that. But I believe that Antonia will have a huge advantage on the feet, just like she did against Roxanne. But I, and I don't believe that um, Poldova... Poldovia? whatever her name is, will be able to change the dynamics of the fight. And I think uh, Antonio Shevchenko will be able to comfortably keep the fight at a pace to coast for like a dominant unanimous decision victory. Next we have the last fight on the prelims, Mickey Gull versus Salim Tahuri. Um, it should be a fairly interesting fight between two young, keen fighters. Mickey Gull obviously started off his UFC career by winning on Dana White's looking for a fight and kept, then got catapulted into stardom by fucking up CM Punk. And then he beat Sage Northcutt but since then, in his last three fights, he's been he's got one win and two losses. When he last lost against uh, Diego Sanchez by, by TKO. Yeah, it's been kind of a rough run for Mickey, man. But he looked good against Diego until he gassed out. Because Mickey came out full guns blazing, man. And it's funny, if you're like traditionally a grappler for most of your combat sports career, then you start striking at a high rate, you tend to gas out quicker than you were if you were grappling at a high rate. Because your body and muscles and muscle memory is used to grappling, grappling. And then you're striking and all that. It's just a different type of fitness, man. And then um, vice versa for a bo- for like a naturally born striker trying to grapple at a high rate, they will gas out doing that. Anyway, Salim is a- on an even rougher streak though in the UFC with zero wins and two losses. Yikers. Uh, he lost two decisions against Wari Alves and Kieta Nakumura. I definitely butchered that, but um, yeah, he's only fought twice in two years, so he hasn't exactly been the most active fighter. Judging from his record, he seems to be predominantly a striker with most of his wins coming from TKO. I know very little about Salim, but I assume if Mickey can fight smart and like enforce his game plan without outstriking himself into exhaustion, Mickey should be able to secure a submission victory. I'm going to say late in round two. Now we're shifting onto the main card with uh, a light heavyweight about to start us off with Darko Stiostik versus Kennedy. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt that, man. Kennedy, um, I was pretty hyped, man, for new blood in the light heavyweight division. Like, we saw Johnny Walker, we saw, um, um, Dominic Reyes and the other guy who just knocked out Jimmy Manoa. Sorry, man, I'm blanking, I'm blanking on your name. But, um, yeah, man, Kennedy 
was bringing like a hype train behind him, but then it instantly instantly died for me when he lost against Paul Craig in an easily avoidable submission loss, in my opinion. He was winning that fight quite convincingly, denying 10 out of 15, 10 to 15 takedowns he denied. And um, from that point, like, I thought Craig was just done, man. He was just diving onto, like, diving onto uh, Kennedy's leg, trying to transition into half guard, trying to pull guard. Um, very odd, man. And the one time Paul got him down, Kennedy had adequate time to get back to his feet, I believe. But he stayed in Paul's guard, and he got submitted with 40 seconds left in a fight he was clearly winning. And I thought he had many opportunities to get out of Paul's guard and get the fuck on the feet and just could have coasted to an easy decision victory, man. Um, the reason I was so hyped on him was because, one, he was undefeated, and two, he is very, very physically imposing, which I know shouldn't matter, but he was he's 6'5", man, which is pretty big for the division. I think that's around Gustafson's height, John, Johnny Walker's height, John Jones' height. And he pretty much has the same reach as John Jones. Like, maybe an inch shorter. But I think he's an inch taller than Jones. So, like, it kind of negates that. Uh, Darko, I don't know much about. I think he's he's 1-1 one one in the UFC. Uh, and he's 6 foot, which is, like, way smaller than Kennedy. But once again, that shouldn't really matter. Kennedy is exceptionally big for the weight division. Um, judging from his topology record, he seems to get majority of his win via striking. So this could be a fun, uh, fun matchup, man. And I'm going to have to go with Kennedy on this one. I believe he'll get, like, a... A KO in the third round, man. But I think it's going to be a pretty pretty fun fight in terms of um, striking warfare. Next, we have a lightweight battle between Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman versus Dong Yong Ma. This should be a fun fight, guys. An underratedly good fight, in my opinion. Uh, Scott is coming off a pretty exciting fight against Nick Lentz, where he lost by decision, where Nick Lentz utilized his grappling to secure the win. But Scott's striking looked very promising, man. Like, um, Scott Holtzman's UFC record is 5 wins and 3 losses, which is pretty decent. Um, but he normally loses against dominant wrestlers. Like, um, he, his 3 losses in the UFC came to Drew Dober, a strong pressure wrestler. Josh Emmett, a strong pressure wrestler, or a strong wrestler with pretty crisp striking. And the uh, aforementioned uh, Nick Lentz. He's never been finished in the UFC, always loses in decisions. And there's no shame to losing those 3 guys that I just mentioned before. But when Scott is on, man, when he has in like... In that flow state kind of thing. He's a dangerous motherfucker. Uh, Dong Hyung Ma has had a bit of a rough stint in the UFC compared to Scott's. Um, he was last starched by Devontae Smith at UFC 234. And he's not the most active fighter, man. He's only fought once a year in 2016, 2017, 2018. He fought once a year in all those three years. Um, and this will be his second fight of 2019. To keep this short, man, I've got Scott Holtzman winning, by the, winning this fight by... TKO in the second round. I can see them both like, you know, feeling feeling each other out, analyzing each other in the first round with some close exchanges, but then Scott getting the read on Dong Kyung Ma by the end of the first and finishing him off in the second round. Next we go to the middleweight division with Gerald Meershirt versus Trevin Gills. This fight should be pretty interesting, man. Trevin Gills, despite losing to Zach Cummings to a late submission in round three, um, this guy has a serious problem, man. He, he's, he looks good. We'll see how he bounces back from a loss against Zach Cummings, but it was a very close fight up until the knockdown and submission. Uh, for Trevin um, to lose to Zach Cummings, who has double the amounts of pro MMA fights as him, there's no reason to hang your head up in shame. Up until the point, I believe Trevin was undefeated, undefeated, riding an 11-fight win streak, and was 2-0 in the UFC prior. Gerald is a vet in UFC now, and I guess going 3-3 in his UFC run so far, versus some very tough competition, losing to uh, Kevin Holland, Jack Manson. And Thiago Santos, so there's no shame in that. But um, Gerald normally relies on his grappling game, which could give Terev uh, Trevin some serious troubles, man, as we saw in the Zach Cummings fight. 
Um, it's actually a lot closer now that I look I look into it a lot more than what I assumed on first glance. But if um if Trevin can keep it standing, I believe he'll KO Gerald. But if Gerald can take it to the ground, shit, it could get dicey for Trevin. It's one of those fights, man, who can execute their game plan more efficiently. But uh, i got to go with Trevin, man. I'm riding high on this kid, and I believe he will come back even stronger after that recent loss to Zach Cummings. Next, we go to the lightweight division with uh, Joaquim Silva versus Nasrat Haprashit. Oh my god, I, I butchered those ones, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, but this matchup is between two relatively unknown fighters in the Shark Tank division of lightweight. To be honest, man, I haven't seen these guys really fight before. I did see Joaquim. KO Jared Flash Gordon last year, which was a slick KO. But both fighters are coming off wins with uh, Nasrat coming off two dominant decision wins and Joaquim off that KO on uh, Jared Gordon. Uh, man, they both have very similar records. Uh, Nasrat having eight of his ten wins coming by TKO and the, and the other two by decision. And Joaquim having six wins by TKO, three wins by submission, and two wins by decision. A bit more of a diverse... Uh, Victories. Um, I'm going to have to go with Nazrat with this one though, man. Despite him only being 23, 23 years of age, I see him winning this fight by decision. Next we go to the co-main event with a couple of OG dogs in this fight, guys. Jim Miller versus Clay Guida. Ah, oh, man. I won't spend too much time on this fight. Um, both men are coming off wins from their most recent fights with uh, Clay Guida beating G uh, the legend BJ Penn and then Jim Miller beating Jason Gonzalez. Before this fight, man... Um, both men's records are a string of like win, loss, win, loss, loss, win, win. Like a very up and down kind of record. Like a mixed bag of results with no real consistency. They're both similar ages, both similar records. I think Jim Miller's 35, um, Clay Guida's like 37. Jim's record is like um, 30 wins, 13 losses. Clay Guida's 35 wins, 18 losses. Like, like they're very, very close records, man. Um, but uh, just I believe Jim Miller can get it done in this fight. Like, despite him having a rough string of KO losses on his on his um, record, um, he's been versing a lot higher competition as of late, and despite losing most of them, it still counts for something. I mean, a bit over two years ago, he lost to Dustin Poirier by majority decision, which is pretty crazy. Like, he took Dustin to the to the final bell and only lost by majority decision. Um, but I could see Clay outworking Jim, but that's based off how Clay looked against BJ Penn, which, no offense to the prodigy, it, it isn't as impressive as it was... A while ago, man. So I'm going to have to go with um, Jim Miller by decision. But I could also see him pulling off a late submission as well. Anyway, guys. Let's go to the most hyped fight of the night. And the main fight. Colby Chaos Covington versus Ruthless Robbie Lawler. Oh, shit, guys. Who's fucking hyped for this one? Now, it's a bit of a strange fight, to say the least. With the former interim champion in Colby, who never lost that belt. And is now ranked number 2 in the division. Versus the former champion in Robbie, who is now ranked number 11. Like, we haven't seen Colby fight since he won that interim belt back in June 2018 against um, RDA Man, which is well over a year by the time this fight takes place. And we last saw Robbie fight Ben Askren in 2019, and we all know how that fight went down. So, and before that, we last saw him versus RDA in December 2017. So, they've both been fairly inactive, man. But in terms of the actual fight itself, -wee, we are in for a treat, I believe, man. Basically, it comes down to this. Can Colby use his insane cardio and decent striking to set up his incredible takedowns and pressure Robbie for like the whole five rounds? Or as we have seen of Robbie before against many great wrestlers, will Robbie sprawl and brawl Colby into a pulp? That is the ultimate question here. 
Like, I remember Until the Day I Die, Robbie vs. Robbie, uh, Robbie vs. Rory McDonald 2. How fucking beautiful is Robbie Sprawls, man? They were like second nature, just clockwork for him. But I believe Colby's pressure and wrestling is way more elite than McDonald's. Um, I believe the fight's outcome will be determined within the first round or two, man. Like, if Colby secures a takedown in the first round, like almost instantly in the first round, and controls Lawler, and starts ground and pounding Lawler, and punishing him, you know, that'll be like a very telling outcome, I guess, of what's going to happen later in the fight. Like, if that's, that'll probably just keep on happening if that happens early in round one. But man, if um if Colby pressures forward and shoots and Lawler does a beautiful sprawl and denies it, and as they're both coming up from the takedown attempt, Lawler throws in like a beautiful knee to the body and then a right hook to the face, as we have seen Lawler punish other wrestlers with before, then shit, man, I think Colby's in for a fucking long night. So it's a very, very interesting fight to say the least. Um but logic will prevail with my prediction, and I believe Colby will be able to utilize his insane cardio and wrestling to dominate the fight. And um, say what you want about Colby, man. He has a grinding mentality and is a fucking elite fighter, despite how cringy the bloke is on social media and whatnot. But, like, I've, I can see past that facade now, man. Like, I've heard, I've seen other fighters do interviews and whatnot, and, like, he, he sounds like he's actually a decent bloke. He's just trying to market himself, man. He doesn't give a fuck who he pisses off, which I can respect that, I guess, man. But, yeah, man. Um, I also want to mention, like, I don't know what a win for Colby actually does in this fight, like, what does it actually signify, like, will he get a shot at the belt next, I believe he should, man, but will he, like, if he goes out there and starches Robbie, like, takes him down and grounds and pounds Robbie into a shadow, into the shadow realm, then maybe, man, like, I can't see Colby knocking out Robbie on the feet, but I can see him, like, ground and pounding him into, like, a stoppage, um, but, uh, shit, man, it was, like, a boring decision or something, I could see them giving the title shot to, um, Masvidal next, which is kind of unfair, man, because considering Colby's on like a six-fight win streak, potentially seven if he beats Robbie Lawler, and Masvidal is only on like a two-fight win streak, although his wins are in absolute devastating fashion. But hey, KOs pay, man. Like, they get people talking. They literally generate water-cooler conversations at workplaces. So yeah, man, that'll be like, it'll be interesting to see what happens there for sure after the fight, which I'll definitely be breaking down after the fight takes place on the weekend. Um, anyway, guys, that's episode four, Done and Dusted. The predictions for UFC on ESPN5. Um, I hope you guys have a, a great remainder of the week. Stay safe and enjoy the fights on the weekend, guys. Peace.